All right, so we were already talking about this, but I, I want to. I want to. I know you are my you're my nutritionist consultant, Brandon. I feel like I feel like you are the most the most. If if you made a quadrant of of approachable and knows about health, I think you're in the leader's quadrant. <laughs> and so so I got on the record here. What is the deal with eggs? Should I be eating a lot of eggs? Because back in the '80s, the era of cottage cheese and whole grain bread. Uh, fried eggs were an early death. That's what I heard. And yes. eggs are terrible. Bad cholesterol and, thing, yeah. And really, like the difference between a fried egg and a scrambled egg is a form factor. I mean, it's. I guess sometimes you cook a fried egg in a lot more oil or fat. I recommend cooking a fried egg in leftover bacon grease. That's that's really the way to fly right there. Maybe fly to an early death, but I mean they're kind of the same thing. And I eat I eat a lot of eggs. Right, eggs are delicious. So so what's the deal? Are eggs healthy or not? I think I think the preparation does matter here, so we can't. I, we have to give a nuanced answer, answer a little bit. Like if it is, uh, if you're consistently frying them in bacon and grease uh, every day, then that's that is going to significantly change the health. But I think the, the I'm, I'm sorry, general... I'm sorry, I, I muted your line, so I, I'm not going to remember what you said about that. But please go on, <laughs> please, please continue. <laughs> uh, but I would say, as I, I believe, I think you know, because the whole because there's been this cholesterol issue for a long time, right? But then there's, you know, what I think in the 80s, they didn't quite tease out the whole good cholesterol, bad cholesterol thing. So that is a more nuanced discussion as well. So I think eggs, like everything related to diet in moderation are okay. And I personally okay. do eat eggs quite a bit. And I, you know, my egg, my food hack, right? Because I, of course, I live in Austin, Texas. I love uh, tacos. I love breakfast tacos. And there's a place called One Taco by my house and I eat there quite a bit. So my uh, my breakfast taco hack, because I like to eat there a lot, is to just order one taco as the name, right? Which is hard, mm. right? Because it's everything is designed for you to order two. The pricing, the way you eat them, everything. So what you do is you just order one, but you go get a fork, right? And then you just open the taco and you eat some of it kind of a little bit slower, right? And then it'll kind of let yourself fill up and then you know, you plow, plow into uh, the tortilla and finish that thing off. So that's how I try to keep oh, it. Oh, and this moderation. is about ex- extending the time. Extend it, yeah. right? Because that's what you want. Because you can eat two breakfast tacos very quickly if you want. I think, Kota, yes. you can have experience doing this. We could, But if you slow I think, it down. I think, I think, I think oh. you and I, breakfast taco experts right here. Yeah. You, want, you want to make them, <laughs> eat them? We got you covered. So that's my uh, thing because otherwise, you know. And then on the weekends, maybe you just get two breakfast tacos and enjoy it. So oh. just, you know, just try I've, to. I've, I've, had, I've, I've had a lot of six-day breakfast tacos in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fine to admit. I mean, they are, man, they're just like like popping a peanut right there. But yeah, that's. I thought you were going to say you just eat the eggs out. But I like that. That is a good hack is because one breakfast taco will fill you up if you let it. So if you spread it out, you'll be fine. And man, wasting a good tortilla, I don't mind wasting a shit tortilla, but like a good tortilla is just a travesty. That's, yeah, that's- no, the tortilla is the dessert of the breakfast taco. Like, I mean, especially like we're, I'm talking like a flour tortilla too. I mean, I like oh. the corn. I have nothing against the corn, but like a good flour tortilla, like heated up just a little bit. I mean, oh, that's, that is about as good as it gets. And that's, yeah. that's why you're eating that breakfast taco. So I, I, when I, when I get my one taco and I'm eating it, I kind of see the tortilla right below the eggs and the, the ingredients I got, and you're kind of just anticipating it. So that's another thing. You're just you're savoring it by like you're just literally looking at that tortilla, and you're like, it's going to be great. It is going to be great, and then you have it, and you know what? It's great. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, speaking of things that are going to be great, I don't know if you or our listeners have heard about Kubernetes, but that's going to be great. And (laughs) 
I thought, you know, when we when we were kicking off this podcast, um, you know, it, it used to be, or I shouldn't say it used to be, over on the, the regular podcast, the Software Defined Talk. We every now and then we talk about a press release, and frequently I find myself defending a press release. So I thought analyzing press releases would be a good thing. Here we haven't gotten one yet, but this this episode we picked a press release to look at, and um, I think simultaneously, Tasty Meets Paul. And I had the same idea that we should cover the Heptio funding announcement press release, which I think is, um, to give a little TLDR, I think this is a fine specimen of not only a funding press release, but a press release on its own from a startup. Now, if we had, let's say, an enterprise press release from one of your larger companies, there would be a lot more stuff going on, you know, a lot more trademark signs. Different type of format if you're a large company. But this one, I think, is a good representation. And I think, I think there's a few flaws with it, as always. Uh, but uh, I, think, I think it does a good job. So we'll, we'll, put, we'll put a link to it, obviously. Um, but, you know, we'll take, we'll take a look at this press release. Now, to not be too selfish, Brandon, what, how would you describe... Well, let's, let's start with how you want it. If you want to talk about tech press releases in general or, like, the, the startup funding press release. Um, like, what... What is the, what is sort of like the, why are you, why do companies do this? What's the goal of a press release? So the goal is a couple things. I mean, the name, as it implies, at one point, it really was legitimately a document sent just to uh, reporters in your industry. And that would be serve as the potential content they could use to write an article. And that's certainly still a use of it today. But today, right, you're always, you're always serving multiple people. You're serving the press itself. You're serving your investors, your employees. This doesn't get talked about a lot, but a lot of times the most important people that get really excited about a press release are the executives, employees of a company. Oh, that's right? an excellent they really, point. Yeah. really get fired up because it, there's like a, there's an officialness to it that like you've arrived, you're doing press releases, you've, you're making something that is worthy of a press release, even if it doesn't get covered by the New York Times, right? It's it's a signal for the whole company. Um, and, you know, and again, and then that's also going to investors as well. And then analysts, right? In this world of technology, analysts are probably the primary consumer of these uh, on a day-to-day basis because they're really trying to absorb what everyone's doing and they're the ones that are likely to kind of probe into it at a deeper level, right? Whereas, you know, something that's just writing at a tech publication is, you know, probably seeing this, you know, it's going to be very much about the day. Like, do they have anything else to write about or they sign this? Yeah. You know, they're not going to go as deep, right? They're just going to be looking for some bullet points. But so that, there's always that. But then there's like what, you know, when do you actually want to do a press release? And I heard this uh, somewhere else. Someone else told me, and uh, so I'm just going to rip it off, is that a press release in the press, I'm talking about this, like uh, reporters, they really want to cover three things, marriages, divorces, and births, right? So we can obviously look at People Magazine and any of those uh, celebrity publications to see where they actually cover those things. But in tech, Right. A marriage is like an acquisition. So it's like so and so bought so and so. Right. And then like a thousand articles are written about that. Um, and, you know, a divorce and a high profile divorce would be like the Uber thing where Travis, uh, the former CEO, got kicked out. Right. It's like, whoa, scandals breaking out. People are getting fired. There's infighting. Right. This is like all the Michael Lewis books kind of like come out of this area. Right. And then bursts are about like you're going to either be an IPO. Or in this case, um, what we're going to talk about today, 
you're doing kind of like your big Series A, Series B uh, announcement, kind of announcing that you've arrived, you have a lot of money, you're in the club, and you're going to actually do something great. So any press release kind of in that area in, in that falls in those categories has a real chance of being covered by um, technology press and then in the most high-profile technology companies, actually the mainstream press, as we can see with like right. Uber and all these other things. Now, the place – the biggest mistake – and press release world is you've worked extremely hard on like the dot release of your product and everyone in the company's worked on it. And it's like, Oh my God, it has all the stuff. It's like, it's uh, more usable and it's like scalable. And like the, the, the architecture team, like they re-architected it and they, they've switched out to like a new framework. And it's like the company has just been working like nonstop. And it's a tremendous amount of work. Right. And it's, uh, and then they get to the end people are like, we should issue a press release on this. Uh, no, no, you shouldn't. No one, no one really like, no, like you guys, everyone there, you guys should care and you should have like a big party. You should go out and everyone should go out to Dave and Buster's or uh, your local bar, whatever you do to celebrate, you should do that, but you should not have a press release because that doesn't fall in the categories and no, nobody in the press wants to write about your re-architected product that's been around for a long time. Yeah, but, that's funny. I remember you talking about that over the years. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think this one does a good one. So I think this is, you know, I think we should start like right away when I read them. I'm like, this is a birth, right? Series B funding, right? And it's kind of exciting. So like I, I immediately kind of thought like, oh, they're in the right category. These guys are already off to a good start. Yeah, no, and, and so so to add to that, so uh, yes, as as a former analyst, like press releases are, are at least the way I like to do analyst stuff, which is I don't know based on like facts and things that have happened, uh, mixed in with some speculation for flavoring. But yeah, a press release is great, and and as as an analyst, uh, what I would want, I want as many as many um, like numbers and like customer references, and and I'm, I'll overuse the word, but facts as possible, right? Like. The opposite of that would be something like uh, we have identified a growing opportunity in enterprises that our technology is perfectly fit to achieve, blah, blah, blah. Just like that kind of – as I like to call it, the computers are awesome stuff, right? Like we can all agree that computers are awesome, so you don't need to tell me about – I mean tell me specific stuff. And I think um, you know, to your dot release thing, I think from a corporate comms perspective, a corporate communications perspective, which, which is a fanciful name for PR, I think I – think, you know, I would rather be called corporate comms than PR because then I feel like uh, – what was the name of that lady in Sex in the City? Samantha? I forget. <laughs> like she seemed to be a pretty cool PR person, but PR is like maligned. Like you don't want to do uh, be called a PR person. But your corporate comms people, by this point – and it may not be a person you have at a startup, but whoever the leadership team is, they should have a good blog, right? And you can always use your blog – as an outlet for like those dot releases and things like that. And in fact, you should, right? Like you need to have a place where you document your release notes. And I think especially in a field like Kubernetes where like it's a little weird what that stuff is, like it's good to put a lot of information out there and start building that up. But yeah, the press release isn't really the place to be like, uh, you know, one point, like 2.13.ac. AC. This release was awesome. I think, I think, uh, you know, and thankfully I don't really see that much, but it, but there's always, I think in many companies, there's a fight. Like people, like no matter what gets released, there's always like, and we need a press release. And then you usually have to walk it back with people yeah. like, well, do we really need it? And I think, you know, what they did here at HEPTO, and this one did a great job. The last line before the boilerplate plate is actually a link to the blog 
that was written in this case, uh, they say by the CEO. And that has a lot more detail yeah. on, in this case, the products. And that's exactly how you should do it. It's like, okay, this is serving a certain audience. If you want to go deeper and you want to hear more about it, where he goes into a lot more details around the products, go read that blog. And that exactly. would be, I think this is where the analysts probably, after they've read this, the people that are really digging into it. They're going to go read the blog and that's going to lead them to read about the products. So, yep. so again, this is a good, I mean, just, I wish you just give them credit. Like, Good, good best practice. They're executing well on that in this press release. Now, now as a minor nitpick there, I don't know if you noticed, but they kind of screwed, screwed up the link to the blog. It doesn't even go to their blog. It just goes to their main website, but wh- whatever. I mean, it did. I, we, we do. I mean, and they, it, you know, these are the moments where you like, because they, they did have a uh, professional PR agency help them with this, uh, as far as I can tell, because it says there at the, you know, at the end, the media contact is, uh, I don't know how to say it, Voxus PR, and you're like, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but this is the moment where like you had one job, you know, like yeah. this is it. Yeah. You had to read this and get it from Matter Right. Um, but you know, but you but I will say I think it was on the main page, right? So like it was mm. if you scroll down, so it wasn't that hard to find. Yes. I didn't feel like I was like thrown into like the uh the netherland of their website. <clears throat> no, that's true. That's true. So uh let let me let me let me give a, a brief overview of what I consider the structure of a good press release. Um uh, so basically, in the opening paragraph, you should be like, here's what we're talking about, right? Like, here, here's our thing. And you might have another paragraph that kind of, like, details more of it. Like, I think, I think in a funding announcement, typically you'll say, like, you know, we just received funding. And they do a very nice thing. They tell you the total amount of funding that they've had, right? Like, that way you don't have to go look up in Crunchbase and add up how much funding they've actually had. And in a funding announcement, you want to list all of the VCs that have been involved in all of the rounds, right? And, and there's always a weird thing. <clears throat> sometimes there are investors, usually corporate ones, who don't want to be listed. So, you know, if you're covering this, sometimes you need to go investigate and see if there's other, other people. And I would especially say as, as you get towards the, uh, you know, the, uh, the later letters in the alphabet of funding, there's usually some weirdness uh, that you can go research if you want to know the, the full history. Like there are a few things sadder than like, uh, you know, company XYZ announces Series F funding. And you're like, oh, man. Must suck to be them, but you know, <laughs> D every now and then is okay nowadays. But whatever. And then, and then usually in a funding announcement, uh, <clears throat> I think what you start off with. So you're going to have a bunch of quotes in a press release. That's really the heart and soul of a press release: is what happened, who is this company, and what do they do? And here's a bunch of quotes from people. <laughs> and usually in a funding announcement, you go in with the uh, the new VCs and. I always feel a little mixed about this. Like we talk about this on software defined talk um, a lot and people put a lot of credibility into VCs, which I think to some extent there are on the money-making side, it's important, right? Like you very rarely read the failures, but when you read the success of VCs of, of startups, there's always a lot of like, and then we called up like an, um, one of our quote-unquote favorite books. What's what's the one about the uh, that crazy jerky guy who tells you like the sexual predilections of his his uh, his accidental wife, and then also working at Facebook, Chaos Monkeys. <laughs> Chaos Monkeys. Like, yeah. like, why would you include that? That's just so. Anyhow, <clears throat> any uh, you got to call up the Model View culture, culture people and have them write a, a book review. But uh, you know, it's like in that situation, it's like call up Paul Graham and tell him to like. Get this logjam fixed. So, like, there are some benefits to having a VC, but it is just as a side editorial side. Like, in the grand scheme of things, 
I have like an aggregate. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> we'll see if one well, day I, think, I start a startup and I, and I live to regret this. Right. But, like, well, let's, I think we should tear I really, you know, I went paragraph by paragraph because I like this press release. So I think we tear into the first one. We say, okay, like, because the first paragraph does tell you a lots of stuff, right? Like, even the headline, okay, Series B closes 25 million. And what they're doing in the first paragraph, because they're breaking out that they previously raised 8.5 million, and then they're telling you 33.5. So they're really putting together the growth story. Like we're doing great. Yes. You see, because this is the equivalent of this was like a Series F press release where it's like we got a 250 million in and we raised another 10, right? You'd be like, whoa, that's a whole different narrative, right? Going around. That's true. Uh, and and, and it also, to interrupt you, it's the only momentum figure they have. So a press person, they're going to need a momentum figure, and they'll use that, and it will sort of like – Yeah, so this is it. So one, they really are playing up the momentum side of it. And then you know, the, the VC stuff, one, it's the it's, – again, we always have to remember multiple people help write this, right? This is written by a bunch of people and reviewed by a bunch of people. So these, these guys, all these VCs want to use this as advertising as well. So what's going on here is a little bit of you know, self-referential thinking. It's like – it's important because these, you know, I certainly like Lightspeed and Excel are ones that I feel like we know pretty well. I even worked at a Lightspeed that company in my life, and you know, they were good. The company wasn't, but that's another another day, another podcast. Uh, so I think what it does here, though, is it's a signaling mechanism. This is like when someone puts like a big name college on their resume. It's not so much that like we think Harvard. Like is mm. like you learn better stuff at Harvard, but it does signal to us that like you know you have high SATs or MIT, right? Like there's a signaling thing that's going on. So so what I think is happening here is one, these VCs want to be here because they want to be associated with Kubernetes and they want to be associated um, with this company in general. And then two, um, because they're strong names, right? It's a signal to the press person that like. You know, some smart people, and, and maybe that's even too generous. Maybe we should say this. Some VCs that have had previous success are now investing right. in this new company, and I'm going to include that in my story, right? That it's like, hey, the, this, there's, there's some endorsement of this by some – but we, what we think of as leaders in industry. So that's really important, right? Because this is all going to be – because that first paragraph, you know, you could probably write an article just based on that. Right. You could just like tease that apart and, you know, get yourself like a 300 word article and, you know, meet your quota if you're uh, a tech writer. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then and then to your point. Right. It was short enough. You go to the next paragraph. And uh, unlike what I was saying, they actually have a uh, they have a quote from the CEO. Right. And so that that's that's a good another format. But like I said, it's kind of like a series of quotes uh, sort of filled in with some little facts here. And so here <clears throat> there's a lot of like uh, buzzwordy stuff. Which for the purposes of a press release is fine because you're trying to kick off the keywords of people doing stuff, right? So like, you know, whenever TechCrunch was writing up their article, it's like, oh, you know, they, they find this thing and it fits to what they want and uh, and things are well. And you start to get into the – in the second and then and then third and even uh, fourth paragraph, there's a definition of, of what Heptio is doing. And it's also signaling, right, like we got hybrid cloud. Right. Uh, and, and of course, it's got the word growth and enables and things like that. So, you know, the first one is a little that first paragraph. There's a little bit of a throwaway thing, but it has a lot of signaling in it. Like it, they have cloud native in there and IT organizations. So they're starting to define uh, the market that they have. Well, before we get too far from the first paragraph, I think there is like one other really important nugget in here. Right. Is like in all writing, they always say, like, put.
put your most important thing first. So what's the first thing they say here, right? Heptio, founded by two of the creators of Kubernetes to accelerate the growth of Kubernetes community and make the platform more accessible to businesses of all sizes. And then comma announced and they go on to talk about it. So one, the first sentence is incredibly long, right? And I'm sure it was written uh, like by a million different people. So that's no accident. But if we tease this out, like what we're really saying here, and this is, again, this is back to kind of constructing a narrative. The narrative is a little bit of here of like reluctant hero. There's a flavor of that in here. Ah, yes. Two guys, right? Because this is like, this is, you know, we all in some way want to be entrepreneurs. Like we want to be, create our own company. This is why a movie is made about the founding of Facebook. And we read, you know, I read all these books. Like there's some innate need for us to like, you know, want to put ourselves in this position. So it comes across like it was just founded by two guys. That's like a reluctant hero narrative. They're setting that up, right? And and that's exciting. And I think that's something a, a press person or writer, um, journalist can gravitate to, to like actually start to outline. Like these two guys, they did it. Um, but also, and maybe even more important here, and, and we'll talk about this because, you know, one key thing when you're reading this is like, where does the customer press release come? Yeah. Where does that quote come and what do they say? So – and we can kind of jump ahead to the end here and say, well, that doesn't come into this presentation to the very, very end. And it's not a very strong quote. Quote. So really what the investors are saying here is we are investing in these two guys that don't really have a product yet, but we think they're really, really yeah. smart. And, and, and to your and point, that's what, and that's what you're going to get yeah, from and, these, this company. And, and they're defining the markets that well. Actually, they're not. Businesses of all sizes is a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> right? Like, like, what are they going to sell this to, like, a business of two people or a business of, like, 200,000 people? But, you know, whatever. It, it, it does define that we're going to be selling a enterprise sort of thing. And I think, I think, I think from a high-level content area, this is um, a common point of consternation in, in commercializing open source, right? There's this... There's this very – as I've been watching uh, Kubernetes startups come around, there's this weird razor's edge you have to walk where one way of reading this is like these are – you know, success has many fathers or parents as it were, right? So uh, I'm, I'm sure they actually are some of the, uh, the, the, the fathers, if you will. But um, at the one hand, you're saying like they created this awesome thing, but really it's too hard for normal people to use. So we're making a whole other company to fix that. <laughs> Which, which is a difficult thing to kind of write about, right? There's no, there's no healthy way to say like we have a product that really is unusable, and so we're going to fix that. Um, and and especially in the open source world, that's a little dodgy because you can't kind of take ownership of something. But this, you know, for people who know what's going on here, I assume they're kind of like one of the questions you would have on a pre-briefing or or a embargoed call is be like, so are you going to follow an open core model? Do you sell? Are you selling support or licensing? Interestingly, I don't think they actually cover that here, so you don't have the actual business model there. But yeah, no, I mean you're right. To go back to that paragraph, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of things in there, and I think I think it actually does kind of narrow down from that businesses of all sizes later. Like they kind of talk about enterprises and, and large things like that. And you also see going back to the other paragraph, some fleshing out of of what uh what what this the, these products will actually do, right? So it sort of talks about uh, you know, you automate the containers and uh and what we want to do is simplify the process of deploying the software, which that's a that's a, a specific call out of like 
we're not just going to be about operations of stuff. We're also going to be into the area where we allow you to uh, manage deploying software. Uh, and, and then they hit up the value props of like, you know, reducing cost and complexity, right? So all your traditional computers are awesome stuff. And, uh, but then, you know, kind of as you were indicating, if you read it, you still don't have a very perfect idea of what the product is other than like you'll actually be able to install and use Kubernetes, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you got it. And I think in that second paragraph, right, like well, you can glean some strategy, some real simple strategy at, at a high level is when they say you know, help businesses transform efforts in the hybrid cloud world. So what they're really saying here, right, is that like they believe they can make a ton of money by selling a version of Kubernetes to when they say hybrid cloud, they really mean kind of private clouds or large IT organizations. And that's going to be the strategy going forward, right? And that's the most probably important thing here, right? Is to like understand, I was like, okay, they get that Kubernetes is too complicated, right? They want to make it uh, easier. And they think the people that will pay for that are IT organizations. And I, I, you know, it does get a little lost in that second paragraph. And I thought, you know, leave it to the VC, right? I think it's in like the fifth paragraph where he says, um, he just says it flat out. We're going to make uh, Kubernetes accessible to the enterprise. That's it, right? So uh, Tim Porter, you know, uh, he's the, uh, what I like. What I always refer to, like he's the Obi-Wan wise man in this press release, right? <laughs> right? Because Joe and Craig are our reluctant heroes. And then Tim is the, the lead investor. And so he, and he's the one that, I mean, if you just talk to him, like he'll tell you flat out, he's like, yeah, these guys seem really smart. And they're going to make Kubernetes accessible to the enterprise. Like Tim's never installed Kubernetes. He doesn't know what it does, right? He doesn't know anything, right? He just knows that like, yeah, these guys can do that. And I think this is a good bet to make. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost, it's such a good succinct quote. Like I wish, you know, I wish they had just told them to put it in the second paragraph because that's really what they're trying to say in a lot of different words up there. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think you've alluded to this a little bit, but we, we should talk about the process of putting together a press release, right? And and I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know like what actually happened. So at least I don't know what Brandon would say, but at least what I'll talk about are just generalizations. Never mind me trying to figure out what goes on there. But I think, uh, I mean, so first of all, like you've said many times, Brandon, uh, there's a lot of people who work on press releases, <laughs> like tons and tons of people, right? So you'll have, obviously the VC people will be involved, right? Like each VC person. And it's not only your OB1, but there might actually be comms PR people working there, right? Then you have the PR person you've hired and they're all their interns. And then you have the founders who are doing stuff. And you might have sort of also like the shadowy founders who like you need to satisfy. And there'll be drafts and drafts. Hopefully they were using like Google Docs, but you know, you might also be using like Word with track revisions and things like that. And, and then you're also, there's not an analyst quote in this, which is uh, going back to the format. You often have an analyst quote uh, in something like this. You'll also send a draft to an analyst who's got to worry about their own way of drafting a quote. Um, and then, of course, there's also the customers, right? And here, I don't know if everyone knows the tire business. I actually had to go look it up because I thought since it was Continental ITS, I thought it might be not Continental the tire maker. But this is like, you know, one of the older, more mature giant tire makers out there that they have a customer quote from. So then you got the customers, not only the people who you're quoting, but their comms people who want to like clear all of this stuff, right? So this is like a big, crazy, you know, fucked up process uh, that, that you have to worry about. Um, and so like putting this stuff together is very, very tiresome and, uh, and, and quite a miracle. Uh, 
And so, so what, what, what would you add to that, that process? I think the other part of it is just to understand that like, it's unfortunate that we still call them quotes, right? Because these are really written statements. It's like, I, I don't know. I think one point in my life, much younger, I, I know I actually just thought like, Oh, like, like somebody was walking around the office and like, oh, I heard him say this. You know, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. Like, like you're about, out there like, reporting I, and, and, and. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I just, I, I don't know. I guess maybe just coming up, right? You just, because you think of that in the news media, like someone's like, you know, they'll play a clip, right? And you actually see someone say it and then someone quotes it later on. You're like, no, he actually like was a live person saying it. It's like, so really, what, this is happening. I mean, if it's, you know, not, maybe I'm the only one that ever thought that, but like, Every quote is really just written like a million different times by lots of different people. And then eventually the person that is going to be attributed to it, they just read it once and they're like, yeah, it looks good. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's never like – no one talks like this. Like I doubt uh, Craig at uh, – he's, he's like, well, the new funding accelerates are great. Like you would be like, what are you talking about, Craig? Like you know, it's a written statement. Yeah. So that's the most important thing. And then two yeah. – you know, just how hard it is. Obviously, in this case, you have your VC and your founder. So they're obviously going to be very accessible in uh, doing this. But you can see by um, the tire cotton company uh, here that they quoted and uh, the title of the person, manager DevOps, that, you know, what this really reveals is <laughs> they basically just don't have any product, right? They just, because the, the yeah, quote they start that off with he pro- gives, it's a PS, a professional services engagement. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I bet you they were. I bet you they did a great job there. I bet you the, yeah. the people at Continental ITS are super happy. But you know, when by the time it got to the comms guy, and I'm sure you know they came in, they did a great job, and the manager's like, "Yeah, I can do a quote. Sure, no problem. Like, what do you want me to say?" But yeah, and, and, I, and I, I bet, it, I bet process, in, this situ- in this situation, like, there's certain people I work with, and they'll be like, "No, I'm not going to fuck with PR. Fuck them, right? Like, I get to say whatever <laughs> I want." Like, I, I again, I don't know if that's what happened here, but. Frequently, you can find sort of mid and lower level people who will uh, gleefully violate comms policy. Uh, and yeah, well, but I think even in their attempt, you know, I don't think they even try to violate it. I think they're like, yeah, I'll do a quote for you. I'll I'll make sure our PR people look at it. But what came back, right, was really just an endorsement around professional services and open source stuff, which is fine. But it's just, you know, it doesn't move the ball at all. You're like, yeah. wait a minute, I think they're going to build a bunch of products, and then at the end, this is all about services. So hence, when you read this, like you get to the very end after four or five paragraphs at the very end. I even made a note to myself in my own outline here. I was like, oh, and let's put it in a customer quote because it goes like, it's just like <laughs> duct tape. Like at the very, very end, they're like, because you know they had slots in here for like, well, man, man, maybe we could get Netflix or like, I don't know, whoever their, their biggest customer they're talking to, there was like this hope, right? We were going to get so-and-so and it uh, didn't come through and they're like, okay, we got to have a quote and let's just get this at the very end. Yeah. But it really does. And, and this is really telling because it, if you had seen something like this, like currently the products are being used or the upcoming products are being used by 15 beta customers or something like that, then that gives you an indication that they've actually pretty far along in development and there's a sense that there's going to be a follow-on product press release here in a few months, right? Yep. The fact that they didn't do that and they went with this quote goes back to like our original investment thesis you know, by the old wise man here, Tim Porter. He's just like, hey, these guys invented Kubernetes. They've done some consulting. And I think they're really smart. And I'm going to write them. And they came in here with like some kind of deck with some products I didn't really understand that don't exist, but that's okay. I like them. I'm writing them a check. Yeah. So, and, you know, they're going to have to go out and actually build some of these products um, beyond the open source stuff. And I think that's like, it shows you the maturity of where this company is. Like they just aren't there yet. Right. And that's not bad. It's just sort of, you know, you can glean that from this press release. They're going to be in product development for a good eight to 12 months before they have something yeah. they really want. Yeah. To I, I mean, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think there's two good things about the customer quote. One, that it exists. 
<laughs> so, 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 so that's good. And then two, right. it is like uh, an upstanding normal company, right? So that is that is a good reference. And 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 I, I I would bet dollars to donuts that as you look at Heptio coverage, they'll always like they'll be mentioned that Continental, the tire company, likes them. And you know, if you were a clever marketer or even half clever marketer or salesperson, you'd be like, now you know, tire companies are all into safety and reliability, and they're a customer of ours, so our ship must be safe and reliable, right? There's I forget which bias that is, but the bias of the dude standing next to you or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's, you know, it is disingenuine marketing kind of, but you are getting this credence that you're working with, with a real customer. Now, if you, if you go look at what this is, it seems like it's like their innovation lab out on the West Coast, which is, as we are overly fond of saying on this podcast, that's fine. <laughs> but it, it, is, it is good to understand that it's probably not like back on the factory floor where they're manufacturing the tiles or in the global supply chain where they're like have used Heptio to run Kubernetes. I mean, that would be if they had that in there, you'd be like, holy shit. Our buddy Tim would be like, this was some hot shit. That's a super. This is awesome. I'm going to retire in three years or, or start my own fund. But like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think um, so to go back to the process stuff a little bit. Just because I have a background, I mean, I'll, you, you should speak to being maybe like a product manager in, in doing this stuff, if there's anything interesting beyond what you were saying, or half interesting. But as an analyst, uh, so when I've worked on this, um, and I would do a tremendous amount of these at Redmonk, because Redmonk is very picky about like their reputation, as they should be, and they're all like, oh, we don't do pay for play, right? Like, we don't get paid by people to uh, say nice things about them, which... Um, as I think we've talked about, it's an over-dramaticization about the analyst world in general. There are analyst firms that basically are like that, but the big ones are not so much like that. It's a lot more complicated. But at Redmonk, one of the few things that we would actually do on demand is provide press release quotes. And we would also do it with startups. And they only I think they still only charge $5,000. So you had this source for getting a press release quote that was relatively cheap. Um, and you know the way that an, that I would approach it, and not every Red Monk person or every analyst does it, is so your main concern. You've got two concerns as an analyst providing a quote for a press release. One is you want to, um, <clears throat> I guess this is a multi concern, but you want to maintain your unbiased nature, and you also don't want to piss off competitors who uh, are your clients, right? So, for example, to construct one. Uh, if if I had Chef and Puppet as a client, and one of them came to me and said, "I want a press release quote," and if I if I if I sent something like, um, uh, "We'll use Chef since that's that's our friend Matt Ray's company." Chef has once again demonstrated how they are the sole innovator in the configuration management space that matters. Right? Then instantly, once it was published, I would have Puppet people call me up and be like, "Don't be a fucking dick." Right. Like like you're wrong. Like they would just rightfully so argue with me. So you can't really be over the top about it. Now, very rarely I like every now and then if I actually knew the company well and and oddly enough, it would be for Puppet or Chef. I would actually speak directly to the company and say like because I would know them and I would have worked with them for many years. And I would say something like, you know, these are good people. It's a good company. They know what's going on. Like I would basically accreditate that, like I thought this was a good company and that the, the product was was useful. But what I would more often fall back on, like 90% of the time, and I think this is kind of the job of an analyst for all the reasons we were going over, is I would try to define the market that they were operating in. And so, like if I was doing this one, for example, um, and I was at 451 still, what I would do is I would have gone, I would have gotten um, the market sizing 
and the year-over-year growth, the CAGR, sort of, uh, the market sizing for container orchestration. And I would have been like, in our studies of the container orchestration market, we've seen, we're seeing dramatic growth year-over-year from X million of dollars to Y million of dollars. And, and then it would be like, you know, said Michael Cote, Director of Infrastructure Software at 451 Research, comma, and then like open quote. And then I would probably say something like, in this industry, enterprises are extremely interested in blah, 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 right? So you're kind of validating the market and that there's a customer base. And for the most part, that's the kind of analyst quote uh, that, I, that I would give. And one that allows me to escape getting yelled at by people and showing some bias and then two, um, I think what it does is it adds to the facts that you want there, right? And it's also, to the point you were making, it's an advertisement for the firm I'm working at, right? To say, like, we have this market sizing. And then what you're hoping uh, as an analyst from that commercial, that marketing point, is that the, when people are writing this up, they'll use your figures and source you to it, right? So um, I don't know. I mean, that's – and typically what will happen, like I was saying, is someone will email you – back when I would do it, it was always a Word doc pretty much – um, <laughs> track changes. Yeah, yeah, and and there's there's well, let me be fair. There's three things that would happen. Like if I knew the company really, really well, and they had already briefed me as as they should, they would just email me and ask for a quote, and I could just send one in blind. Like I wouldn't care, right? Like we would have a good relationship, and I would just send some quote. Um, but usually, what they do is they send you a press release, and if they're really nice, and you've got like a, if you know the PR person really well, which th- that'll happen. Like you get to know PR people. Um, and AR people, they'll just put in, they'll know that they should not write a quote for you. And they'll just put a placeholder in. It'll be like, insert Cote's quote. <laughs> and so you just go in there and write it and you email it to them. And you're like, does that work? And if it doesn't work, you know, email me back and maybe I can change it a little bit. So you'll have that. But more commonly what happens, especially in these funding things, because you're kind of like hiring newer PR firms and using more junior people, uh, is they try to write a quote for you, which is always delightful to see what they write. <laughs> but the first step, uh, it's kind of a good guideline for like what they're looking for, but your first step as an analyst is to delete that <laughs> and, and just just start over again. So, I mean, that's kind of the cycle that an analyst have. And then one more thing, just to flesh it out that I alluded to, um, and this applies to both press and analyst. And, and if you're super cool, they used to call them bloggers, maybe influencers nowadays. You might pre-brief those people. But it's really a good idea, like a week ahead of announcing, to pre-brief people that you care about. Like, it's a, show, it's a sign of respect. And we'll, it'll also probably make it so that they'll write more about it. And they would also really like to get some actual quotes for you. So, like, um, if you go look at one of the better pieces of coverage of this, uh, I think it was uh, – I'm looking up her name because I don't want to embarrass myself. But uh, Susan Hall over at the Newstack, I'm pretty I'm sure, sure that's her name. She writes, she writes really good pieces. Uh, she's, she's a regular, uh, regular Nancy Goring or Barb Darrow type who like, know, knows what she's up to over there. But you can tell that she actually had a pre-beefing call, I assume, because she has interesting quotes um, from, from the people. I might actually be mixing that up with coverage of um, – I am actually. This is that was actually coverage of Puppet buying that company, but <laughs> example nonetheless. Like you go read. Well, they did a good job. Yeah, good yeah. job by Puppet. Yeah, yeah. But that's 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 the last thing is like it will really really benefit you to spend the time, which will be a lot of time because that's a whole other series of meetings where you figure out what to say to the analyst and press. But it'll be very beneficial if you pre-brief them on it. So that's kind of like how analysts fit in there, and then. I mean, be, uh, I, I'd like to hear as a product manager and other stuff like you kind of get involved. But that general, if you abstract that template, 
every single person is kind of on that, that track of, of how you're managing doing that. So when you've worked on these press releases, Brandon, like what's, what's been the, the process you've walked through and like, how would you advise one, like the part that you contribute and then two, as the manager of this process, how they should work with like a product manager or product marketer kind of like as the roles you've been in? Well, I think, you know, on the, the kind of the beginning of the press release, right behind the scenes, you know, kind of, as you were alluding to, like the pre-briefing behind the scenes on the product side, right? What's going to go on? And hopefully this happened during your product release is you're going to sit down and create some type of messaging document, presentation, whatever, right? It just sort of comes down to like, what what are we building and why are we building that, right? And, you know, everyone wants to like, you know, quote the lean startup and, you know, you've gone out and done all this customer research, but the frankly, right, it's just, there's going to be a lot of reasons things got built. But normally when you start, you know, you're going to start when you brief your PR people, you're going to start with like, here's the core message we're trying to get across. And here's the problem we're trying to solve. And the PR people will always be coming from, you know, obviously a less technical and a less expert point of view, which is good, um, good and bad, because they're the ones who are going to like, you know, be asking you like, well, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. Like, we don't understand this. Like, what is, what is the real benefit? What is the real benefit? Like you can go into like, if you want to be a management consultant and a marketing consultant, you just can walk into any room and like have them give the product pitch to you Mm -hmm. or the messaging pitch. And then you just say like, who's the real customer here? What are you really trying to solve? To interrupt you to kind of double underline that point, I think, (laughs) One of the best PR people I worked with, um, her, her name, uh, I, I don't remember her last name, but she, her name was Judy, and she worked at uh, Dell with us. And I think she had worked at, for Whitehurst personally at Red Hat. And I remember uh, our buddy Prabhakar and I, uh, she started working with the cloud group, and we walked in there, and we were talking for a while and whiteboarding. And then she just spent like two hours basically doing what you're doing. She's like, tell me what the product is and why it's good. <laughs> like who uses this product? What benefits does it give them? And what is the product? And like, she like nailed it. Like she didn't, you know, she wasn't a technologist as such. I mean, she knew technology stuff, but she just kept working on us until we were finally like told them the benefits, told her the benefits of it. And it was extremely helpful. Yeah. And you know, it's like, it's just kind of a form of like therapy or whatever you want to call it. It's just like, you know, the more you keep asking, the more you kind of go deeper and deeper. So most of the time, right. And this is like, you know, and it's not that, you know, in this case, I think you and Pramark are and like, you know, oftentimes you do the same thing just as your internal group. You just keep doing it. But it's always helpful for someone from the outside to do it. But so there's the, that's the good part. But the bad part is and really what it comes down to a lot of times when you're trying to offer, you know, is author these is figure out like who's the reader and what kind of assumed knowledge about it um, can we or what kind of knowledge should we assume that the readers have? Because there is a point where like, if you have to explain everything, it's going to be too, it's just going to be way too boring. So like, let's look at this one. It's a good example of like that first line. And that first sentence is founded by two of the creators of Kubernetes to accelerate the growth of the Kubernetes communities and make the platform more accessible to business of all sizes. So like there's a assumption here, like, you know what Kubernetes is, right? And I think mm-hmm. this is the line I would bet that when there was a lot of discussion, like, do people know what Kubernetes is? Should we talk about containers? Do we need to, because there's no, because this is one of these things, like it's technology to help technology, which is never really ideal, yeah. right? You're not like, oh, I'm buying this, I'm buying my new iPhone, so my it'll work better with my Apple Watch. And people are like, 
like why you know what i mean like you you, you know you want to be tied back to something like i'm buying a new apple watch because it's going to really help me measure my blood sugar glucose level and help me manage diabetes you're like okay i get it right but sometimes you know that's not the world you're in so i think this is a, probably an area where this press release got a lot of um, discussion and this yeah. kind of goes back to messaging right this is like what is the core message that Heptio is trying to get across, right? And I think it, you know, we alluded to it before, it's making Kubernetes accessible to the enterprise. But that assumes, right? This assumes we've made the decision when we use a statement like that, that Kubernetes is well known enough amongst our market yeah. that we don't need to go into further detail. But this is where the PR person who maybe does not work in this area will be like, I don't, you know, they can, you know, maybe challenge you in a bad way and say, no, 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 like, nobody knows what that is. We need to talk. And you say, well, no, in this case, in this area, this little world I'm in, uh, it's okay to talk. Like, we should use this language. It's going to make us seem more credible. So, but this is really important because this is just a reflection of your messaging. So when you train the sales guys to go out and say, Kubernetes, making accessible, making Kubernetes accessible to the enterprise, that's the first line of your deck. Right, you kind of make sure that audience, when those sales guys are given it, they know what it means, and the audience knows yeah, what it and, means. And, or I, you got to go back in time and be like, you know what? We assume too much. We need to explain some DevOps, some containers, so that we set the stage to explain Kubernetes, and then we got to explain why Kubernetes yeah. is hard and how we can help. And, and, and you can kind of see that tension in this press release. Yeah, and I, and I think in this case, like I think I think the sales call thing, they could probably lead with that because. Someone, someone that a salesperson is going to go visit with is already pre-qualified that they kind of – at the very least, they're like, I know Kubernetes is something good, but that it's complicated and it has something to do with cloud. Can you come tell me about it? And so it's you – know, they, they know it well enough. And then, of course, the, the rep will have to very quickly – you know, they're going to have a burger diagram of what it looks like. And, of course, they're going to have like, you know, here's, here's – you know, it's, it, it's almost like an infomercial where like, have you ever tried to use a pan and the egg sticks to it? Right? Like, you know, now you need this nonstick pan that the egg just slides off or whatever, right? Or like muffin tins. What a hassle. Am I right? <laughs> like, and, and so you got to have that comparison of like, you know, I can't, uh, I can't operate this thing, camera guy. Um, but and, – and, and then you see, you see – I, I, think, I think our PR hero comes in on the last sentence of paragraph three, right, where we kind of referenced this earlier where they're like, containers simplify the process of deploying software into a production environment. Oh, I'm just going to read this because it's this good stuff. And create legitimate portability between different clouds environment, comma – it gets a little weird here – or between an on-premise and cloud environment. I bet there was a long discussion where they were like – what is hybrid cloud, right? And yeah. they were like, well, you could go between AWS, Azure, and Google, but also it might mean, they're like, whoa, whoa, what? And, and they're like, also it might mean that you could go, uh, you know, you could run it on-premise, like on, on your own thing or over there. And so like you kind of get this amalgamation. Now, I think a lot of people like us who read this, you're like, got it, right? Like you're, 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 uh, you're going to abstract away, like having to deal with infrastructure, it can move around. But I mean, I think those are, and we could probably find some other ones, but there you go, into the third paragraph. It's finally like, here's what this fucking thing does, right? Yeah, and, and I, think, I think you're exactly right. Even, I think this is where in that they case, help. it assumes you know what containers are. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I do. I even kind of made a note to myself. Like, in the third one, it's just like, I went a little, you know, buzzword, bingo, SEO crazy, right? Because I even, like, like, wrote them all down. It said, like, open source, Kubernetes, containers, enterprise software developers, cloud native portability, on-premise, cloud environments. And it's just like, you know, and I, I, I'm really sympathetic here, right? Like, they're trying to, like, get it 
So it's simple enough that you can do it in six lines. <laughs> But it's like it is like code. You kind of have to know it or you don't. Um, and I think this kind of goes back to the core positioning, right? It's like we could probably watch this evolve over the next, you know, two years. Like, what do they start to say? Do they get go all in on just explaining Kubernetes more, or do they decide they have to back it up and even, you know, start to explain things beyond Kubernetes? And yeah, I think and, and, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. To, to highlight, you were saying like to modify a little bit. One another type of, of quote I might do is to an analyst quote, is to validate the premise of the value prop or the, the product market fit. And so in this case, I might do something like, um, in our recent surveys, uh, enterprises have said that their number one blocker to Kubernetes is the complexity of installing and configuring it or something, right? So so ways of simplifying that processes for enterprise would be much welcome in the market. I, I, I would use that last way of phrasing for a while like that. I guess that's kind of like the, the passive voice of like, it would be great if someone solved this problem. I don't want to say anything about this company, but it's a problem that needs to be solved. Um, and definitely, like, it's good to lend credence to that kind of thing. Cause, but I think that's – and that is a great place for the analyst to come in, right? Because really what you want as a vendor is you just want – if someone is a little bit, like, wants to know more, they can go to the analyst and read about it and just read, like, a whole – maybe a 10-page paper on this stuff. And it's like, okay, that helps validate the market going forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then uh, let's see. We should we should we should start to wrap this up. Let me look for my notes to see if. It, the well, I was going to say while you're doing that, just one other two other things I wanted to make for before we wrap up on this. One, there is a little bit of you know I would say drama in the fourth paragraph because like we've been reading about our heroes Joe and Craig, but then suddenly a new character arises, Mr. Brendan Burns, because it's like a long and he is accredited um, with being one of the. Fa- de- Developers right. or create, originally create. developed Kubernetes, but like, wait, hold so on. I thought, <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know, again, like back to like thinking of like you know, a reluctant hero. It's like, oh, wait a minute, like there's another person in the family, like uh, somebody else that we don't don't know about. Is he good? Is he bad? Like, what happened? So I just went ahead and looked up before this. I was like, he's uh, looks like he has a position at Microsoft. I don't know. Like, uh, you know, want to join the company? want to. Yeah, like something, you know, something went on, right? But clearly. Um, there's a reason he's in here, right? Like either, and it's like the very um, positive read would be like Joe and Craig. No, Brendan was just, you know, absolutely uh, uh, part of the creation no, process. Wait, this press release is so short. You wouldn't waste that. That's a lot of characters yeah. to blow Yeah, yeah, but you're like, they, they really feel indebted to this guy that he did a lot. And then maybe Brendan did, was going to work with them, but he's like, I just can't do it with my family or whatever. I need, you know, I need health insurance. I don't know. There's like a million reasons you don't go work at the startup, right? Um, and he's taken a, what looks like a really good job at Microsoft. So that's like, you know, that's the very positive spin. It, it, and the very know, there, could, spin. there could, to your point, there could be some community management here, right? Where it's like, yeah, something like that. Like we've, and all, also too, we've all lived through Linux. Through Java, through J2EE, through OpenStack, and to a limited extent, you know, things like Cloud Foundry and stuff, where there's some people who start to argue over who's uh, who's better and who's who's original stuff. So it could be that maybe there's some discussions over there on and and what I read is the uh, let's see what do they call it the cloud capital of the world in Seattle. Well, we'll get to that in a second because uh, that's my other final point. And, it's and, just like on Brendan, so I just want to leave on Brendan. Like I don't know, I really have no knowledge. So, so or, maybe or like, maybe there's some brewing like shit throwing that's going on. Yeah, and, but like again, like I do think if as someone writing an article like a journalist, you're like, oh, maybe put a phone call into Brendan, yeah, right? Like yeah. you know, it's like there's like there's some drama here in the fourth paragraph. You're like, ah, oh, it's like you know Game of Thrones, like a new. Character 
character shows up. And, and it, it is it is it interesting. That they, it's interesting they don't say that he works at Microsoft, which that, that you know, if you are a real conspiracy angle, like James Governor was always good at, at this kind of thing. He would be like, hmm, he works at Microsoft, huh? So you're going to be collaborating with Microsoft? I mean, Microsoft, they invested in Pivotal and they collaborate here. So, like, what's the story with Microsoft? And, you know. Yeah, like, so yeah. there's, I mean, we don't, we'll never know why, but, like, it's in a, you know, if we're writing a novel, that would be, like, maybe uh, book two, right? It would be, yeah. like, you know, the prequel. You know, it'd be like, where's Brendan come in, right? We need to know about that. So I think it's really interesting. There's a reason it's there. We don't know why we can uh, talk about it. And then the the final thing I was just going to mention yeah, <laughs> back yeah. to, like, you know, again, like we talked about everyone having different reasons to want to be in there. Well, VCs, as we mentioned before, they want to be in here because it helps advertise them. But clearly, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, uh, Madrona, the, they're the, you know, and that's really where our, our friend, uh, the old wise man, as I like to refer to him as Tim, is is leading it. He clearly wants it to be known that, like, one, they're the big dog in this company. They put in the most money. And two, not surprisingly, uh, Madrona is uh, uh, located in uh, Seattle. So oh. <laughs> clearly, he clearly, that's why I think he wanted to just bring it home with, like, being in the cloud capital of the world, Seattle, uh, we know this ideal team. So that is a message that he is putting out that, like, any one of you people at Microsoft, or Amazon, or any of the other companies out there in Seattle, you come to me first. Like, you got an idea? I want you to come to I me. I need some deal flow, I, man. I need some deal flow. I'm in Seattle. It's You can just drive down the office. I will buy you lunch. It's going to be great. You don't need to go down and see those Silicon Valley people, um, even though that the other two that we uh, excel in Lightspeed are obviously based yeah. in uh, probably Sand Hill Road. So yeah. I just thought that was really funny because it is it is kind of like <laughs> just a paragraph serving mostly uh, Madrona's interest. And he does have the best line, though, but he does. It comes down to like these guys are in Seattle. They're going to make Kubernetes accessible to the enterprise, and you should come uh, see me if you have any other ideas. Yeah, and, and, and he so, flips in multi-cloud. They were like, can we change yeah, it to yeah. hybrid cloud? He was like, no, fuck you, multi-cloud. Yeah, he's, well, I think that, and again, that's back to like advertising for uh, future uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, v, uh, startups. Like, just come to us if you have cloud and you're in Seattle. Yeah, and, 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 so and, I thought that was really and, good. And of course, I'm joking. I'm sure he was very nice and whatever. But it, but it is <laughs> it's fun to like think about like the uh, the wordsmithing is. So yeah, I mean, we used to always joke that uh, Austin was the identity management capital of the world, right? And so it is. You know, you you claw onto whatever regionalism you want because like I don't want to get on a plane, right? Like people should just come here. <laughs> Like, I don't want to. No, it's good. I mean, like, hey, like, you know, it's like advertising. People get down on it. It's like, no, you have to do it. So they, they got their name out. They did a good job. And I think Tim, like I said, Tim comes across this presentation as like the wise man. I think he does a good guy. If I, I, it does a really good job. And if I had a company I wanted to fund, I'd certainly try to get in touch with him. Yeah. So the last thing, and then we'll wrap up, I wanted to go over is there's a, other than an analyst quote being missing, which is fine, but. No, let me let me just add one thing to that. So by this point, where you've hired a PR firm, PR firms are like five to ten thousand dollars a month. So you have you have cash, and you're probably like, why why the fuck am I paying this firm? But like, you know, you could have signed up with with a Red Monk for five thousand dollars, or probably get away with like a four or five one for like ten thousand dollars or so. And you could have easily thrown an analyst quote in here, but whatever. You know, I don't know why they didn't want an analyst quote, but that's fine. It doesn't really matter that much. They could have also just quoted analyst stuff, which analysts are a little shaky on, but, but that, uh, that would be interesting. But the huge thing that's missing is what we're going to use this money for, like in a specific way, right? I mean, obviously, they're going to use the money for like growth and whatever nonsense. But it's not until you go to the blog where you sort of – they actually spell out 
that they're going to be used that they're going to use this money to uh, you know scale the team and invest in product, right? Which means we're going to hire a bunch more engineers and, and people like that. And I think I think it's kind of curious. Usually, what you would read is at this point. This amount of funding at this stage of such a hot thing is you say that you're going to invest in sales and marketing, right? Which it, it would be almost irresponsible if they weren't going to do that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we got an Atlassian on our hand and they don't need sales and marketing, right? Although I still want to go look at their balance sheet and see how much they spend on sales and marketing. But, you know, maybe they're in this kind of situation. But typically, right, like you're going to take this money and hire a lot of like shiny tea salespeople, to like come in and start hustling and you want to get the Rolodex to go into these accounts. And then you're also going to need some sales engineers and those people are expensive, right? Like they, they ain't eating no ramen noodles and shit like that. And they have such high turnover that options are nice for salespeople, but they also realize that they might wash out of this job in six months or just get a better offer in one, a year or two. So like, you can't really like, you just got to pay them straight up. Right. Um, of course on, on a, a comp plan. So it's, you know, variable from your perspective, but, uh, you need to pay them. And it is, I think it is kind of interesting that they don't actually address that directly. Uh, because again, if they're not doing that, then I don't know what kind of geniuses they are. <laughs> well, I, I do think, you know, the money, where's the money going to be spent kind of getting into the strategy side. It's like one, we actually, I, I don't know if you know, but the head of marketing, do you know who it is? Sarah, uh, Dorsife. Oh, so, Hey, Oh, I forgot. Yeah, from, yeah. From, uh, so when she's she's the went out marketing, looked, finally, well, that's what it, she's busted out. Said. That's right. That's what it says on the website. So we'll say it's uh, it's got to be true, right? But uh, you know, that's kind of where I thought too. It's like, well, really, like half this money is going to go to sales and marketing. And I went out and looked, uh, and they don't have a VP of sales, or no one was listed on the what? website yet. So, Do they have an open so job what, for it? Global worldwide business no, well, development. As we know, there, one after any good fundraising one they have like every possible job listed but you know for the executive vp jobs those are ones i don't i mean i'm not saying they're never posted but it's you know i'm sure they're well, let's see, maybe they have like i mean they need to start hiring some isr some inside sales people and stuff yeah like yeah they've got some of that going and then you know i'm sure if we got sarah we could you know we could i'm sure she has probably lined up um marketing activities yeah, and she, she knows what start she's leading doing. demand gen yeah. programs so i mean i always think like half the money is going to go be spent by sales and marketing and the other half will probably go to shoring up the engineering team and hiring oh, yeah. and um bu- building that out so so and i was going to say the other thing is that happens more on the vendor side is like you put this press release out and uh the people that are going to call you for sure are like anybody that uh, has any type of demand gen service, right? So like, hey, you need some help with some SEO. We've got these conferences coming up. Uh, why don't you come mm. uh, spend money on this content syndication? The analyst, your analyst, uh, not the analyst, industry analyst, but the sales rep for the industry analyst, oh, like yeah. a gardener, our first is going to call and be like, guys, really congratulations on the announcement. Just saw it. That's just so great. Heard a lot about you. You know, one of the things we can do for you is some type of subscription, right? Like, why don't you subscribe to this and get these briefings? So, you know, this is going to generate a lot of that activity and that's really where you have to- Yeah, and and just just a footnote on that. Like since I, at at 451, I was involved in more classic sales models with people. It is really hard to get a startup to hire an analyst, right? Like, Part yeah. part of why Red Monk is so what has a five thousand dollar a year thing is like five thousand dollars a year is not a big deal, right? And and then also the the brand of Red Monk is that there's a lot more credibility in giving product strategy advice, which depending on the uh, um, smartness slash arrogance of the of the primary people at a startup can be good or bad. But um, 
it's really hard, for example, to go in and be like, you know what you need is you need access to our reports behind the firewall that attempt to describe what's in your head, right? Like it's, uh, it's hard to like hustle up analyst stuff here. But, you know, I suspect next year they'll start to be like, ah, should we sign up with Gartner? I don't know. Like it'll be a big, uh, big consternating. And, and they're going to – I mean if, if, if Heptio lasts – Let's say maybe not next year, but if they start, if they become like a three, four year company, they're gonna have to sign up with Gardner. That's just like you got to do that. Like, well, I think they do. I mean, clearly Docker right way ahead here. And you know, I'm not saying it's 100 percent Apple's uh, Apple's comparison, but you know, Docker is going through and very, you know, I don't know how much. I mean, I, I don't know if they're over 100 million dollars. I mean, a lot of funding there, right? So clearly they're shaping the market. Heptio is gonna feel that same kind of pressure to like. Start briefing these analysts, right? Start and make sure that you're giving them momentum uh, updates. Start showing them like really what your vision is, because you know that's the thing that the whole industry is trying to figure out. And this is where the analysts are going to help, right? Like, okay, you know, we we talked about on Software Defined Talk a long time ago about that last Docker announcement. It's like, wow, that was super confusing, right? Like all the mess, you know, they changed all the names and like what are they selling and open community and you know, Heptio is going to probably go through that same thing, right? As we as they kind of sit down. Um, staring down the barrel of the old open core decision like what are they selling you know this is where it's going to be con- it's going to be messy for them right this yep. is like they're going to try to play a big game and you know right now i would say they don't have a strategy about like well, exactly what they're going to sell right they have the old services thing but you know, they definitely um are going to want to like figure that out. And I think Gardner is going to be part of that discussion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't, despite us talking about it all the time, I don't analyze all this stuff as closely as I do, but my sense, my, my intuition is that like they're entering at the exact right point in the market, right? Like, like this is more about the startup stuff than, than uh, the press release. But like you look at a Docker and Docker created its own thing, right? Um, like there was no, there was no right time at the market for them to enter. They just created their their own portal into stuff. Right. They helped spawn the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like and and, and, they, they, and then subsequently, right? Like, I mean, you know, of course, everyone has an opinion about Docker, and so I'm suspicious because all these people have competing interests. Whatever. But just to your point, right? Like, you can look at the public stuff to Docker, and, and every now, at this point, it and it might be actually at this point, it should always be very clear what it is they do, what their strategy is, and so forth and so on. Like, they're, they've been around long enough. And so that will be... In looking at future press releases, you should expect to see not only momentum and customers who aren't just getting professional services, but more more big blue chip, as they used to say, customers. But you want to start to see an evolution of the clarity of what it is they do, right? And and even start to see, like, this is the thing that people pay for, and this is the product that we have. Which, again, at this point, it's fine that they don't have it, but that's what, you know, if they have a press release in three months or whatever, it would be good. And and also, other types of press releases, I don't know, tell me what you think of this, is like, I do think it's valid. Every now and then, you'll have like a really big name customer who will give you a good quote. And it's pretty good to, I think, pretty good to put a press release quote out about that, right? Like, just like, uh, like I'll just make something up. Like, let's say that uh, GM suddenly became a Heptio client, and they were like, as we modernize the way that our supply chain operates to be more dynamic, and or like we do our autonomous driving or whatever, like you would want them to say, like, we've been using them for like six months, and they've improved our productivity by X double-digit percentages and things like that. And if you land something like that, especially if you can do like a little three-minute video or, you know, a, uh, an even-paged white paper going over it, it's good to put out a press release about that kind of thing. And then, of course, the other type I think that would come out is the um, when they do hire the EVP of global sales, 
which, you know, not to be a downer, will probably be shit canned in nine to 12 months. Uh, like, you know, that's, it's good when you get a high level executive, maybe when they finally hire this Brendan Burns fellow, uh, like, you know, whenever you hire a big executive, you put out a press release about that at this kind of point in the, the press release life cycle. Definitely. So, uh, I think, I think, I think we, uh, I think we got that there. We, we managed to eke out an hour and three minutes talking about a press release, Brandon. So, uh, but I know that our audience, all y'all members only, uh, software defined talk, white paper exegesis podcast subscribers, uh, appreciate that. And, 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 uh, and we thank you for it. I, I noticed, uh, there've been several of you who have upped your payments from $1, which is, is great. As we would say, that's fine. Uh, all, all the way up to $5. So, uh, that's good feedback that, that you're enjoying this. And, you know, I don't need to tell you to listen to or subscribe to this cause you already do, but, uh, we'll probably put out another free one for the purposes of marketing, um, at some point. But if you, if you know any friends or people who you think uh, might be interested in this, feel free to share it with them. Uh, someone pointed out that if you use, uh, if you use overcast and someone happens to star, uh, one of these episodes, you can easily find the feed that also happens, uh, in Huff Duffer and stuff. That's all fine. I know how viral marketing works, but feel free to share it with people uh, if you think they might be interested in it, because uh, we, as you can tell, we certainly enjoy doing this, and, and the kind of feedback we get is uh, really nice and encouraging. So, um, as always, um, it's really great if you want to uh, if you want to keep up the conversation. It's talking, it's speaking of press release talk, you can go to our Slack channel and join that. If you go to software defined talk slash Slack. Thanks to uh, no SSHJJ, you can sign up automatically and get added, added into there. I'm going to add a white paper channel uh, whenever I do that to be tautological. Um, but, you know, you can hop in there and see what's going on and uh, chat about things. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>